delving into stocks, property, bonds, economics, and more. This is the Stock Market Mentor Podcast. Taking an unconventional stance, we challenge the industry to help you protect your investments and empower you with the knowledge to become a savvy investor. We don't provide financial advice. Here's Steve Moriarty, Tom Hill, and Jacob Senior. Hi, welcome to the first edition of stockmarketmentor.com.au where we're going to talk about investing, uh, total money management and economics. Um, Some of you may know me. My name is Steve Moriarty. I uh, had a previous life uh, in a podcast called Low Rates, High Returns with a book of the same name uh, with my uh, co-author Pete Wargen. Uh, This time I'm with uh, Tom Hill and Jacob Senior. And uh, as I mentioned, we're going to talk a lot about investing and how we can help you as uh, an investor to make better returns. The reason why is basically because what we see in stock markets and in property markets and in economics generally is a lot of the theoretical underpinnings that people believe are the way that markets work is actually not true. Um, and we will, we're going to prove to you over this pod series of podcasts about how we want to show you the data and the evidence to show you that most of the stuff you learn or believe in is actually not true. Uh, what we've narrowed it down to is three themes, which is called time, uh, theory and incentives. So before I go into that, uh, before we go into that deeper, I'll uh, introduce Tom Hill and Jacob Senior. I've known uh, both Tom and Jacob for a few years now. Uh, we've or we often talk all things investing um, for very long periods of time, um, but I'll let them tell their story. As I said, most of you might know me from Low Rates, High Returns, uh, also the book of the same name. So, um, Tom. You want to kick off and introduce yourself? Yeah, look, absolutely. Um, I think it might be relevant to kind of just talk through how it is that we kind of started working together. So I think that's probably a pretty interesting story in itself. Yeah. So at the time, um, about seven years ago now, we were I was doing a remote job, so we didn't have an office. And every morning um, we would do our work out of James, James Street, Spoon Cafe there. And every morning I would see this guy sitting there with a book and a laptop, and he just seemed extremely, extremely relaxed. And after a while, one of the guys I was working with said, yeah, look, you know, that's Steve over there. Chat to him every now and then. Um, he actually just manages his own money. Like, that's what he does for a job. So he comes here for two hours every morning after he drops his kids off from school, and he kind of just does whatever he wants. So that obviously um, intrigued me, you know, at, the, at that time. Super interested in markets, but didn't really know where to start. Like, I was just senselessly buying stuff off Facebook groups, you know, ASX penny stock trade, <laughs> pod copper and... Cue laughter. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just trying to strike it rich. And um, meanwhile, just thinking, who is this guy in the yeah, cafe? That's, yeah. un- that's an unusual proposition, Tom. You're going to buy penny stocks and try and get rich. Exactly. I know. No one else tries that. But I was just like, look, um, you know, I didn't actually know anyone that's actually just doing it. You know, you see all the gurus online, but you don't know where to go or who to kind of listen to. So 
I approached Steve and said, hey, you know, I'm really interested in this. And he sent me a couple of articles. And I actually changed jobs after that and, and didn't bump into him um, for quite a while. About 12 months later, I got sick of it. And I'm like, look, I'm just going to try this. I'm just going to reach out to him on Facebook, see what happens, see if he's open to catching up and letting me pick his brains. And he said, you know what? I'm actually thinking of getting back into teaching. Um, I've written a whole bunch of content. Um, if you're open to it, let's catch up once a fortnight and start working through it. And that's kind of how it all began six years ago. Right, yeah. Um, our other esteemed colleague is Jacob, <laughs> <laughs> Jacob Senior. Um, but, you know, pitch your story, Jacob. Yeah, no, I think... Please tell the story about those penny mining yeah, stocks. Yeah, we'll get into that, I suppose. <laughs> Maybe not now, but, uh, I mean... Tom and I have been have been really good uh, friends for a long, long time, and um, I suppose as Tom is going through his um, way of figuring out how he can make more money, I kind of got dragged along and with him, and he said, "Mate, you need to come along and have a chat with this Steve guy." I, I've always been into investing and just researching financial markets for years and years, um, and and crypto and all the rest of it, but. Um, Along the way, Tom said, "Look, just, just give give the, give Steve a a chance, and uh, I've gone have a chat with him and see if he can straighten you up a little bit." Uh, because I just needed to find uh, a way to understand how to manage money, I, I suppose. Uh, so I said, "All right, Tommy, I'll give you one shot and one shot only." And we had a chat with Steve, and uh, now. Many years later, it's kind of the student of the grandmaster. So it's. Um, <laughs> for lack of a better word, but it's been an interesting journey and we're all here now talking about how we can underpin the financial fibs of the industry, so it's really good. Now yeah. we're somehow doing a podcast together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where life takes you. Yeah. Um, look, let's just have a, a I want to talk a, a little bit about the background to our approach, um, which we talk, as I mentioned before was about time and about theory and about incentives. What I mean by that is when generally, you know, from what you can hear from Tom and Jacob and even my own experience, when you start out as an investor, there are thousands of books, there are thousands of articles, there are hundreds of people to listen to. And what you really do is struggle for quite a while to figure out which is the right approach. And part of that is because you really don't know what you need to be reading and what it you know what's garbage and what's actually we read we've read hundreds of books and just gone okay one book saying this another book saying this, yeah yeah someone online saying this where is the truth yeah yeah it's it's you know like if you think about it with investing just in the stock market you've got well you should be a fundamental analyst right and so you've got to look at balance sheets and you know return on equity and blah 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 well yeah but you can make money being a technical analyst and you can look at charts and you know do it that way well yeah and you can also be a quantitative investor and look at doing you know purely the numbers Mm -hmm. and that that is the i think the thing that everybody struggles with to start with because you're reading all this stuff i mean my own experience was every book i read i would go that's it, that's me, yep, I'm going to be a tech analyst guy. And then I'd read a Warren Buffett book and go, yep, yep, that's me, definitely I'm a Warren Buffett guy. And so it didn't matter what I read. This is all a a thousand years ago, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) They had books back then, young fella. Um, But my point being, what we're aiming to do here is to narrow it down to, to, to sort of say, you know, to you, 
here's the things you really want to focus on with investing. And what the three of us have learned over our journeys is that if you focus on not losing money, you will actually end up getting wealthier more quickly than you will if you focus on making money. Um, You know, Warren Buffett's first rule is don't lose money and everybody thrashes that to death. But no one actually goes deeply into that. Like you were saying before, Jacob, with, you know, like don't lose money. Okay. Oh, Jesus, look at those penny mining stocks, you know, like I could make a fortune on them, right? And it's like, yeah, but you could probably lose your money. So there's. Or don't lose money and then, but how? What does that actually mean? There's such a broad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what we want to set out in this this podcast series. There'll be a book somewhere along the line there too that you can you can tap into and show notes and resources. But what, as I said before, was we came down to this thing which said basically there's there's three there's three things that we sort of grouped together, which was the the way the industry talks about time, and we'll get a bit more deeply into that in a minute. The way the industry talks uh, or uses the efficient market theory, which is the the model that underlies uh, investing and finance. And lastly, the incentives skew your behaviour because it favours the industry, not necessarily because it it makes you a better investor or that you get better returns. And so what we sort of did was we were sitting down talking more about well you know this is what this is not what people should do this is what people shouldn't do Mm. um and it was really important this sort of one little story signifies it for me which was when uh barack obama became president in the united states with foreign policy which is always a hard part for presidents that he said to the foreign policy advisors you know like what's a you know, how do I approach foreign affairs? And the guy said, just don't do dumb shit, right? <laughs> and you sort of think, oh, okay, well, that's not really, that's not really, you know, the very rule helpful. Of, the rule of life. <laughs> but if you listen to Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, they too say, well, just, you know, don't pick bad companies, right? And again, it's, and, you know, we talk about this thing too where, the Ten Commandments don't say, here's what you've got to do in life, you know, blah, blah, blah. What the Ten Commandments do is say, well, don't steal your neighbour's ox, you know, don't do this, don't do that. So in other words, it's really working out stuff that you shouldn't do. And what we want to show here is paradoxically that actually leads to better returns mm. and there's both a, a theoretical foundation for that and will also show that mathematically it's more important to focus on not losing money mm. than it is in um, making money. So with that, we'll sort of... Absolutely. I mean, when you think about it, right, there's no shortage of books saying this is how you got to do things. Um, yeah. Whereas the point of difference we're going to take is, well, these are the things not to do, and as a result, you're probably going to get the results that you want. Yes, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Like that old saying in um, 
in golf. I mean, we play a fair bit of golf, but if you're playing boring golf, if the if the game looks boring, you'll probably score lower. And it's the same in investing. If it, you want to go down the boring route, not the speculative. I mean, there's a, there's a place for that, and we'll talk about it. Um, but if you're earning and compounding the boring, slow way to begin with, then over time, five, ten years, you'll be in a much better position than making a million dollars, losing a million dollars, making a million dollars, and riding that terrible, terrifying roller coaster along the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's it's really like what you were saying is it's really if you watch pro golfers or pro tennis players, they don't they don't shoot for the the one in a hundred probability shot. No. You know, the, the, they build a rally with steady shots and then raise the probability of the winning shot that they make. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is really important for beginning investors because, as we all know, you know, I've been doing this for like 25 years. You guys have been doing it for seven. Mm. But we all start out the same way, which yeah. is like, hey, look at all these stocks. I can buy, you know, yeah. I'm going to be a millionaire. Look how much money I can make. And that's why we sort of started the podcast, because basically everybody makes the same mistakes. Yeah. And you would think that the, the reason why for me was because, of, as I said, the three themes where they tell you to, you know, invest for the long term and what you sort of what i figured out is well if you look at the returns over the long term the returns are not very good and you have to say to yourself well hang on if it's you know is the long term actually the the correct period that i should be investing for um and so as we know once you start looking at the the evidence about time and cycles you get to the point where you say well hang on there are really good times to invest and really bad times to invest. Mm. But the industry in the theoretical sense says, no, 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 you just you just stick your money in, Tom, and, you know, go 30 years and collect the, the, the riches at the end. Whereas in actual fact, you look at it, it's like, well, actually, that's not what really goes on. And when you look at the, the also the, the studies, which we'll talk about later on or in more in depth, is the real return that investors get is basically 2%. And so, you know, if you look at that, that's a that's a miserable return. <laughs> you know, and, well, and if you... 35 years to double your money? Well, yeah, if you use, you know, the rule of 72, 2%, there's 36 years to double your money. And if you... But the industry says, oh, you know, Tom, you'll get... You know, you can expect about 8%. But what you automatically do is go, oh, right, 8% every year. Gee, that's not too bad. That, mm-hmm. you know... Hey, and you see all those compounding charts which yeah, show, you know, Tom invested at 25 and, you know, yeah, at 65 cool, yeah. he had $45 million. <laughs> and it's like, no, 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 Tom didn't have $45 million. In fact, he only had 600000 mm-hmm. because there was, you know, huge volatility, big drops. GFC. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that those events absolutely murder your returns, right? And so what people do is say just again default to oh well the industry point of view which is oh well Jacob you know you just got to suck it up through those you know the big drawdowns because you can't predict them Mm -hmm. and it's like oh okay well that's terrible then when you look at history you go well actual fact there's some pretty simple indicators that you can use that say to you you know we don't know when the top of the market is but boy oh boy Jacob you know you've had a really good run maybe you should take some money off the table right Mm. And we don't. You don't need to 
This is what's one thing that really bugs me is you don't need to pick the top of the market or the bottom of the market yeah. there because it gives you such a grace period to actually get involved and, you don't, and, and catch that run. So, I mean... Steve, it might be it might be worth talking about timing the market versus timing yeah, the yeah. market just briefly. I know we're going to touch on it later anyway. Yeah, yeah. But it's just such a common misconception that people say, "Oh, well, I would I would have never caught that day in 2019 when the when COVID hit and the market crashed. I would have never caught that time in 2008 when GFC happened." Well, you, well, you don't need to because yeah. the market and the capes telling you that there's months, if not a year or two, that you, where you can start to rebalance and take some cash in or put some cash in, back into the market or out. Sorry. Yep. Well, again, the the industry and it, and it's not it's twofold. The industry tell you, oh, you know, Jacob, you've got to invest over the long term. The time to start is now, and you just you know if you use a dollar cost averaging, right? Which is like your superannuation. You put in a hundred bucks a month, and they stick it in the stock market. It doesn't matter whether the market's at seven thousand or at three thousand five hundred, right? But like you say, when you look at history yourself and you say you know like as you said we'll talk about later about time in the market versus timing the market the reason why that's important is because when you look at history a lot of the really great investors are market timers Mm. right they're not oh you know Warren Buffett stuck his money in in 1936 and now he's like like got billions because he just left it there Um, George Soros, uh, Jim Simons, Mm. you know, all of these really great investors are really about market timing. But it doesn't, and this is where we get into incentives, because the, the industry incentive, because they charge you on a percentage basis, what that means is the longer they hold your money and the more of your money they hold, the more they will make. Mm. And that, that again, is this sort of hidden incentive that they don't tell you. But if you sit down and hopefully throughout this podcast series, you'll get the idea that, you know, and we're not, I'm not saying they're all robber barons, but what I'm saying is there's a lot of people in finance who learnt what I did when I did my master's of finance, which was efficient market theory. When you look at the history, you go, well, actually, that kind of doesn't work. And so, but you see, the idea is you're getting financial qualifications, not because you want to do help clients, but because you want to get a job in finance. And so that, that again, comes back from when you look at it from a client-centric point of view, you go, well, hang on a second, you know, why was I, why was my financial advisor or fund manager investing in the market when it was 2007? And, you know, we'll talk later a bit more and later on about CAPE, but the cyclically adjusted price earnings ratio. But something that simple said to you, listen, Jacob, you probably don't want to have all your money in the market, which is the way it is now, mm. right? But as you say, the financial industry say, oh, you know, Jacob, you can't pick the bottom. Uh, you can't pick the top and you can't pick the bottom. And what we're saying is, well, if you think about investing as a dip, as a difference between investing at one point in time or investing over, you know, 10 or 20 years, it becomes obvious that there's really good times to invest after the market's crashed 50 or 35%. That's right. And it's completely different to investing now when the market is at, you know, in the US, is at basically an all-time high. Yeah. 
Yeah. But the industry says, oh, no, Jacob, you can't tell. you just got to, you know, com- you just got to sucker the- through the drawdowns. Yeah. yeah. But there's a whole raft of stuff there where you go, well, hang on. What if, you know, like me, what if you haven't got an income that you're just trickling into the market? What if you've got a pool of money and if you go, oh, well, if you lose 50%, well, that's not, you know, that's terrible, Steve. But now you can buy more stock at the bottom and it's like, well, I haven't got any more money, guys. You know, you just lost me 50% of my retirement funds. And that's what we're sort of, we're sort of on about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like everyone else kind of default, right, to the 80-year chart showing, oh, but look, yeah, over the yeah, long term, yeah, the market's yeah. just going to keep going up. And that's, 8%. And that's fine. But I think we were looking at a chart the other day, and if you'd put your money in in 2007, until today, you'd be up 158%. If you'd put your money into the US market, yep. whereas if you'd put your money in two years later, in 2009, you'd have an over 500% return. So and there's going to be people listening to this podcast going, well, we didn't know. We didn't know that. But in reality... Why didn't you tell me earlier, you guys? In reality is, the reality is there were indicators to show you that. And you don't have to be a bloody astronaut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 100%. That's a, that's a, I mean, that's a, that is the essence of it, Tom, in the sense of, and we're, we're talking later about, you know, we, we, we've got, a thing called financial fibs, which is what we were talking about at the start, is saying, "Look, they talk about time in the market. We're talking to talk. We're going to present an alternative, which is timing the market." Now, some people might say, "Yes, yeah, Steve, that's really good, Tom. Yep, that's great, mate. But listen, I'm just going to stick my money in and you know let Billy manage it. Okay, that's fine. All we're doing is saying, if you want to invest your own money, which we recommend." then you really want to be armed with the correct information, Mm. not working off the ideas that the mainstream work off because they're actually, you know, what we hope to show you is they're actually incorrect. Mm. But behind that, we're saying here's why they're incorrect. Yeah. Um, And I think that's a really important sort of point. Yeah, absolutely. And it's actually simpler than you think as well. Yeah, yeah. To beat the market. Mm. So... Hopefully that's kind of what we're going to go through in this yeah. anyway. But I think what we you know we've, we've said it three times already. But just don't put all your faith in Blind Freddy and follow him down off the cliff. I think it, ask the right questions, understand what to ask, what not to ask, and when he's when Freddie's telling you to put all your money in the market the whole the whole time and just sit there, then hopefully by the end of the, the series you'll start to have some questions to to kind of say, well, why? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's, you know, what you were saying before, Jacob or Tom, was it's actually not that difficult, you know, and that's when I teach my courses, I sort of say to people, it's not that hard, honestly, and it really isn't. But part of the problem is, in the first instance, investing sounds complex, right, because you've got all this jargon and you've got to talk about return on equity and, you know, balance sheets and income statements and all this sort of stuff where you go... Oh geez, you know, like what the hell is this, yeah. right? Too like, hard. I just want to buy stocks, bro. Yeah. And but in technical analysis, equally, you've got well, you've got Doji candlesticks, and you've got you know support and resistance, and you've got all these things Pretty where you wise. go, oh Jesus, you know, like this is going to be a real effort. And what we're trying to say is, look, if you focus on the stuff that is actually not right you sort of tend to drift to the point where you go, oh, actually, it's just a matter of, you know, 
a little bit of market timing and sensible asset allocation, That's and right. that leads to rebalancing. Yep. So what we're trying to show people is it's actually quite easy to do, and but in order to do that, we have to sort of disavow you of the things that you think are true mm. that actually aren't true. And, it, you know, Mark, uh, Mark Twain had a quote that said, it's not what it's not what you know that kills you. It's what you know that just ain't so. And so what he was saying was, look, it's the things that you think are true that are actually not true. And that's where you, you know, that's what will bring you undone. And that's what we're sort of saying here by saying, well, you think that compounding over the long term is the way you'll make money. We're actually saying, no, 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 that's not the way it works. You think you've got to stay in the market be fully invested through thick and thin. We're saying actually that's not true. Yeah. Right. And we'll back that up with the we'll back that up with the evidence. That actually brought a go I think we had this conversation yesterday or at least in the last week where we were talking about the efficient market theory and the experts saying, Oh no, well no, you just just dollar cost average in. Well that that's not actually efficient market theory. And I thought it might it might be worth having a quick conversation yeah. about um, option A, which is you have a pile of money, and efficient market theory states that you have you put it in on on day one, and you take it out on day four thousand eighty seven, and and that's that's what you get the returns at the end of the at the end of the cycle almost. However, the experts say no, no, no. Well, actually, you use efficient market theory and then dollar cost average in whenever you've got a bit of cash. But that's not actually what the EMT is. Yeah, does it, that make sense? Yeah, it's the again the the you know your point being that they they're using this theory that actually doesn't work, and in reality, and you know Warren Buffett of all people said, you know like fancy fancy telling people that learning more about the stock market or information doesn't give you an advantage. Mm. I mean, you you have to look at the assumptions underlying the efficient market theory and go, this is garbage. You know, like the, the first one is that people are rational investors. Uh, no, no, that's not true. Um, everybody has the same information. Uh, no, that's not true. So you start to work through it and go, you know, it would be equivalent to the to physics people saying, here's a theory of gravity and everyone going, wow, cool. And then you do it and go, actually, it doesn't work in real life. Things are floating all around. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, but according but to the theory. But, you know, <laughs> but, but if you use the theory, it's really good. And it's like, okay, but the reality is my screwdriver is floating away in earth. So, you know, there's, th- that's what we're trying to teach people because as we, sort of, as we sort of said at the start, we're not unique in our experiences starting out going, we're going to buy penny mining stocks. Um, I'm going to get rich. I'm going to get rich really quick mm. and I'm going to get rich really quick by doing stuff, right? Rather than saying, I'm going to build wealth over a lifetime. I'm going to do it by not doing dumb things like mm. buying junior penny, yeah. <laughs> penny mining yeah. stocks. Stop bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but, it, but I did the same thing, yeah. right? I, I did exactly the same thing. When I first got into it, I, you know, every goddamn company I looked at, it was like, yeah, hey, yeah, I could, yeah, the next I could Microsoft, see that. Yeah. <laughs> and I would listen to all the you know quote unquote experts and think, yeah, right, okay, that's a good stock to buy. Mm. There was no discussion about well, how much should you buy? 
you know, how much should you hold in cash? Um, you know, it, are there other things such as the macro environment you've thought about? Exactly. Because, the and again, the incentive for the industry is to get you to do stuff. Right? Mm. I don't well, care. You just look at the Comsec app and it's every single company on there yes. is buy. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, surely. Surely not all all buy. Yeah, no, we can't. I, I just buy all of them and become a squillionaire. But that's, but that's see, that again, if you look at the, the, the stuff behind that, what's behind that or one of the things driving it, which the industry would go, no way, mate, that is absolutely terrible, Incentive. is the fact that if you put a sell stock on a, recommend, uh, on, a, on a company, that company won't talk to you, mm. right? So you won't get information. So what you do is you put a buy on it or you put a hold on it, right? Mm. And I think it was uh, 2007 where... 95% of companies had a buy rating. Outrageous. Right? But, Just before the crash. <laughs> yeah. But it's true, isn't it? Like, you you imagine in 2008 and 2009 losing 50% of people's money and having people go, oh, okay, so what do we do next? I mean, you know, honestly, it, you would just say, well – you're a fool, yeah. right? Or, um, listen, Bob, you better tell me how this went, you know, very, very pear-shaped for me because you're the expert, right? And that's what we, you know, we're going to flesh out throughout the series by saying to people, look, if we'll give you the tools. If you look at it and say, oh, yeah, I don't agree with you, no problem. We don't have a problem with that at all. But what we're saying is a lot of the evidence points to it being really easy to manage your own money than it is to listen to experts. And again, it's actually not that difficult, but a lot of people come to it with a preconception. You know, when I learnt Japanese years ago, everybody said, oh man, that's a nightmare of a language to learn. And when I started learning it, it was like, okay, it's, you know, very different, but it's not actually a nightmare. But part of that was I was eager to learn it. Mm. But the the important part was having a good teacher, not people saying, this is how you learn it in theory. Mm. Um, you know, and then you get, you get six or 12 or 24 months down the track, you've lost half your initial money. You're really confused because it's like, well, I'm, I'm doing everything right. You know, that guy said that stock was a buy or, you know, it was a really great time to pile into crypto or gold or, you know, penny mining stocks. And that's what happens, you know, because – and what we do is we tend to go back and go, oh, well, I must have done something wrong rather than say that stuff he told me was bullshit. I still can't speak Japanese. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can in theory. In theory. (laughs) So anyway, we'll – Look, we might end it there for the first session, um, and we'll the next one we'll start working our our way through each of these um, issues that we're going to talk about. So we're going to talk about, as Jacob alluded to before, time in the market versus timing the market. We're going to tell you that you don't need to pick stocks. Uh, you can use things such as indexes or ETFs to make as good a returns without all the the worry. We're going to talk to you about how you need to incorporate luck into your investment plan. It's, it's not just skill. But what we're going to do in the next, uh, next session is talk to you about 
very broadly about how to think about investing. Um, and the reason why that's important is because so many people don't have a don't have a framework about how to think about investing. And again, part of that comes back to, oh, Steve, you just put in $100 every month and, you know, you retire at 65. It's, it's, not, it's not as simple as that, but nor is it really complex. There's a, a few simple things you need to look at and then you can move forward from there. But a lot of people don't look at it. So we're going to talk about that in the next session. Um, and we'll, uh, you guys will be there for the next one, I assume. Absolutely. Not bored yet. No. <laughs> All right. Um, thanks, folks. We'll, uh, we'll see you next time and uh, we'll uh, catch up then. Cheers. That's it for another episode of Stock Market Mentor. We hope you have enjoyed the show, and if you have any questions about the episode or want to discuss how we can help you become a better investor, please feel free to contact us at support at stockmarketmentor.com.au. We'll see you next time.